Today is Wednesday, August the 16th, 2023, and this is an Open Ink update. Joe Biden will consider traveling to Hawaii to view the damage on the island of Maui. My wife Jill and I are going to travel to Hawaii as soon as we can. That's what I've been talking to the governor about. I don't want to get in the way. I've been to too many disaster areas, but I want to go make sure we got everything they need. In the meantime, the Biden administration is going to throw some money at the issue, $700 per resident in Maui who lost their home or family member. And when it comes to Joe Biden and his family members and their practice of influence peddling while he was vice president, South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace spoke on Fox Business about the bank records that she is seeing and what that running total of money coming in from foreign entities has turned out to be. But I've seen suspicious activity reports that make me believe the amount of money that the Biden's family was paid off is north of $50 million. And it's not just Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, James Biden, his brother. There are grandchildren that receive money. From communist China. Harvard law professor emeritus Alan Dershowitz says that the latest indictments that were issued against Donald Trump this past Tuesday by the Fulton County District Attorney in Georgia is a massive distortion of the RICO conspiracy laws. Dershowitz spoke on OAN after the 10 indictments were issued by D.A. Fannie Willis against Trump and 18 of his lawyers and aides that were helping him in the state of Georgia following the 2020 presidential election. This basically says RICO is not just applicable to organized crime or to organized uh, commercial crime with hierarchies, but it also applies to protests against election results. It's going to deter and chill people from bringing legitimate election results. Let's remember, we have a process, a law process for challenging elections. It involves alternate electors. It involves going to court. What this indictment basically says is if you do that, we're going to indict you. So you might as well go on the streets and and protest and do what happens in banana republics. Um, you know, I in my on my podcast, uh, the Dirt Show, I, I give out bananas. And uh, until this indictment, I was up to two. I think I'm now up to four. Uh, this indictment is very very dangerous. Not only for what it says about Donald Trump, but what it says about future challenges to elections by lawyers. I think every lawyer who's an election lawyer. Uh, should be trembling at the result of this. It basically says if you're wrong about the election, we're coming after you. And that's just not the way it should be. If you're wrong about the election, you lose. Uh, That's how America is supposed to operate. Donald Trump responded to the indictments by announcing that next Monday he will hold a press conference to detail what he called a complex and irrefutable report on the presidential election fraud that took place in Georgia in 2020. That press conference will occur at 11 a.m. Eastern time from Trump's golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. When it comes to the voter fraud in the state of Michigan, more officials are confirming the recent report from the Gateway Pundit about an effort to infuse tens of thousands of fraudulent voter applications ahead of the 2020 election to inflate the voter rolls. The whole Muskegon police report was recently obtained by the Gateway Pundit and reveals how the whole police investigation got launched in Muskegon. It occurred when a clerk in one county alone was alerted to a person from GBI Strategies bringing in eight to 12,000 of these voter applications. Those applications turned out to be fraudulently filled out. 
The Muskegon clerk is Anne Mesh, and she turned that person in right away to authorities. But since the FBI started to take over that case, there's been no news or follow-up on how many other voter applications were received by other county clerks and potentially infiltrated into the 2020 presidential election. Muskegon Police Captain Tim Bohorski is also confirming that the investigation was launched and that once it was handed off to the FBI, the whole effort to find voter fraud in that state went dead. These national story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. There are two stories involving voter fraud that have reemerged in the news lately. The stories happen to involve two critical swing states from the 2020 presidential election, Michigan and Georgia. The first story involves Michigan and was first reported by the Gateway Pundit after they got hold of a Muskegon police report on a voter registration effort undertaken by GBI Strategies. That police report will be coming to the Open.Inc. website soon. What launched the whole investigation was a county clerk in Muskegon who was receiving 10,000 or more voter registrations in one day from one singular person who worked for GBI Strategies. After the investigation was launched by local and state police, they found out quite an extensive operation was underway in that state ahead of the 2020 election to get more people registered to vote and by doing so, getting more names on the voter rolls. This particular Muskegon clerk found that many of the voter registrations submitted by GBI to her office had incomplete addresses or personal information calling into question their legitimacy, which then begs further questioning on how many other county clerks in Michigan received that number of voter registrations and also exercised that same level of scrutiny of these voter registration applications, how many of them were aware enough and nonpartisan enough to battle this potential exploitation within elections. Consider that GBI Strategies was operating in Michigan and 20 other states to push out more voter registrations for the Democrat Party exclusively. Then the strategy starts to take shape and you can see how voter registration was an important first step for the ballot harvesting and ballot mules that would be documented later in the 2000 Mules documentary. One must first have more voter names on the rolls in order to get a corresponding ballot in the mail, especially in those states that pushed hard for mail-in voting or expanded their absentee ballot program under the guise of COVID-19 fear. This same strategy was also utilized in the state of Georgia, and Greg Phillips says that more documents related to Georgia will be coming in a special collection to the opening website. Here is Phillips speaking on the Liberty and Justice podcast about how dirty voter rolls that never got cleaned up in 2018 set the stage for what happened in 2020. Is As you moved into 2020, the voter rolls hadn't been cleaned since that lawsuit in 2018. Once they had that in place and they knew that the voter rolls were dirty, well, how would you how would you then get the votes out to to all the people on the active and inactive rolls? Okay, so Mark Elias and company come in and they get a consent decree from Raffensperger who says, okay, 
I, I don't want to fight with you anymore. I'm a loser. Let's just mail out these ba- these mail ballots to not just everybody on the active rolls, which is bad enough, but they mailed out the ballots to folks on the inactive rolls. I actually, I literally have ballots seal, uh, sealed in an envelope in my backpack from people in Virginia, from people in West Virginia, from people in Ohio who had moved years and years ago from Georgia and were 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 on the inactive rolls. And the rule says when you're on the inactive rolls, the only way to get a new ballot, you've got to sign for it. And because there were no sign, because they reduced the need for or eliminated the need for the signatures in the consent decree, now you have the perfect storm. So you have all of these extra hundreds of thousands of ballots out there somewhere, and you have you have approximately, give or take a little bit, I think 11% of Americans move every year. So so you get about 22% of people across two years that may or may not still live in that county, even if they are registered to vote. Now you take and you mail every single one of those people a ballot, and they're sending that ballot in, they're giving it to somebody, they're collecting those those dirty ballots somewhere else. And, and voila, you have the recipe for disaster. This whole issue of illegitimate ballots sent to out-of-state voters or illegitimate voters was even brought up by Donald Trump in that infamous phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. But we have a a number of things. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County. Uh, which hasn't been checked. We think that if you check the signatures, a real check of the signatures going back in Fulton County, you'll find at least a couple of hundred thousand of uh, forged signatures of uh, people with uh, that who's, who have been forged. By the way, there's now an opportunity for those who utilize the OpenInk website as a resource to offer any further tips on documentation ideas or other sources that would be useful in expanding the website. You can send those tips by way of an email to grace at open.ink. Thanks for listening to this Daily Ink Update.